Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Uh, We've been talking and going through a series called I Know But I'm Scared. Basically talking about how uh, you can know something before you go into it, into a situation where you have to use it, but it still scares the living daylights out of you, right? You can, you can know that God is good, or you can know that uh, what you're supposed to do in a situation, you can have that conversation planned in your head before you approach them, but once you get into it, it doesn't mean you're not, you're not scared. Today, I want to I wanna, I wanna talk about what we, what we do with the fear that comes when hope begins to fade, when hope begins to dwindle, what do we do with the fear that kind of rises up inside of us? In other words, how, how can we hold on to hope even when things appear to be getting darker, not brighter? When things begin feeling more hopeless than hopeful, how can we hold on to hope? There was an experiment called the Hope Experiment in the 1950s. And it was a, it was a study done by a Harvard professor named Dr. Kurt Richter in which they place rats in a pool of water to see how long they could tread water. On average, these rats would pretty much give up and be exhausted in 15 minutes. Right before the rats became completely exhausted, the researchers would would pick them up, hopefully not by hand, I haven't thought about that. Anyway, they would pick them up, they would dry them off, they would let them rest for a few minutes before putting them back in the pool of water. The second time these rats were in this pool of water, they didn't just tread water for 15 minutes, but anybody got any guesses? 60 hours on average. The researchers, after it was all said and done, they concluded that the rats were able to push themselves way beyond anything they had previously thought possible because they had the hope of being rescued. It's amazing what a little bit of of hope we can do. But my question is, and I think the question that a lot of people ask, is how do I hold on to hope when when things get beyond my control, when things get really difficult? How do I hold on to hope when I'm trying to overcome that temptation or that addiction or that sin, but I keep running back to it over and over again? And I've literally tried every method I can think of. How do I hold on to hope? How do I hold on to hope when I'm, when I'm navigating change and, and, it, and, and I don't know what the future is going to look like, but I know it doesn't like it used to? Used to. How am I, how am I going to navigate that? How do I hold on to hope? How do I hold on to hope when I feel like my prayers just aren't being answered and I find myself laying awake at night wondering, God, are you listening to everybody else but me? How do I hold on to hope when I see no value in myself and I'm beginning to think that, yes, what people have said about me and what I've believed people have been saying about me my entire life may be true. How do I hold on to hope when the season of life is difficult, when things seem to just keep piling up, bill after bill, hardship after hardship, damaged relationship after damaged relationship. How do I hold on to hope? That's what I want to talk about today. And here's my title. You might want to take some notes today. I'm going to say a few things that might be worth writing down. This is my title. There's hope, however. There's hope, however. 
We're going to be in Numbers chapter 13. And to just kind of set you up, last week we looked at the call of Moses who God would use to bring the enslaved Israelites out of Egypt. Last week we looked at him being called in front of the burning bush, listening to God and and obeying God uh, hesitantly. Today, I want to forward that story just a little bit, but just to catch you up in case you're not here, you've never really read the Bible before, the Israelites are God's chosen people. He's always been about relationships, so he chose this nation, Israel, to be his people. Man had messed everything up. He says, I'm going to redeem these people. The Israelites end up enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years, the Israelites cry out. God hears their cry, the Bible says, and he calls this man Moses and says, I want you to lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So Moses begins to do that. He has to go to the Pharaoh, the most powerful person in Egypt, and say, let my people go. Pharaoh eventually agrees, and Moses leads them out of slavery to this land that God has already told them, one of these days you're going to inherit this land, and it is going to be bountiful. It is going to be fruitful. It is going to be wonderful. But even though God had promised them this land, and at this point, we're going to pick up the story, they are free from slavery in Egypt. They still had to face some battles in order to get to the promised land. And for some of you, I'll pause right there. For some of you, that's, that's a good message for you today because you feel like the fact that you're fighting battles means that God isn't there for you. You were sold a version of Christianity or you were sold a version of God that's just not true. But just because we have victory and ultimate victory through relationship with Jesus doesn't mean there's not going to be hardship now. We're in a fight right now. And yes, he has promised us some good things, but you always have to fight even though it's promised. It's just the fallen world we live in. And so the Israelites, they're having to fight their way to get into the promised land. And that's where we're going to pick it up. They're on the edge of this promised land. And in Numbers 13, starting in verse 17, this is what it says. It says, when Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, the land they're about to go into, he told them, go up this way to the Negev, then go up into the hill country. So he's rallying these spies before they go take this promised land. Verse 18 says, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad or the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or is it unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous. Bring back some of the fruit of the land for it was the season for the first ripe grapes. So these spies, they have their assignment. They are to go into this land that God has promised them and scout it out and see exactly what it looks like. Moses gets this direction from God and then he relays it to the people. He chooses 12 men and he says, I want you to go into this land that we are about to conquer and I want you to scout it out and come back and tell me what it's like. Now keep in mind, these spies' jobs is not to go into the land and make a prediction of whether or not the Israelites can, can capture it. Their job isn't to make a prediction or to come back and tell Moses we can or we cannot do it. They had one assignment and one assignment only, and it was tell us what the land is like. They knew that there would be 
enemies there. They knew there would be giants there. They, they knew the terrain would be tough there. It wasn't that they were going to scout out if they could accomplish this thing because God had promised them. It was, they were going to scout out what it was going to take to conquer it. So they were going not to see if the land would be theirs, but to see how they would get it. Their assignment was come back. Don't try to tell me God can't do it. Scout out the land, come back, and give me a report. Now, these scouts, what they're about to come back and say is, we can't do it. And if you think about it, and if you know how this story turns out, you think that's a pretty ridiculous statement, don't you? Because God has promised them that they're going to accomplish it, but yet the spies are about to come back and tell Moses, Moses, we ain't got a chance. But don't we do that same thing too? Like, don't we doubt what God has said when the giants begin to appear? God's promised us, just like God has promised these Israelites, God has promised us that he would be with us through what seems impossible and through what seems hopeless. But how many times do we stare at our situation, whether it's the season of life you're in, whether it's the hardship you're in, whether it's the financial shape you're in, how many times do you stare at your situation and you move to not how can I get through this, but if I get through this? And there's some people this morning, and you're about to give it up. Like you're about to give up on that relationship. I feel it. You're about to give up on that marriage. You're about to give up on that friendship. You're, a, you're, you're about to, to give up on ever making the finances work. You're about ready to give up and maybe even take your very own life. Today, I want you to know that when you have the power of God, it's not a question of if God can, but it is a question of how will he. Don't give up yet. The giants are big, but hold on to hope. There, there, there's, there, there's still hope. It's okay to think about how. That's what they're doing. It's okay for us to, to get in a situation where things get tough and hope begins to wane and us begin to make plans of how we're going to walk through it. That's just good common sense. It's okay to save in case the refrigerator and the washer break at the same time. It's okay to follow God step by step and, and, and seek after him and ask him, how am I going to maneuver through this? That's okay. But if you're not careful, you will drift to if, not how. And some of you today, you're about to give up because your mind has drifted. You've quit believing that God will do it in and through you. You've quit seeking how he's going to do it. And you've drifted and your doubts are rising and you're drifting to if. If I can make it through it, if God shows up, if he does what I ask him to do, if he keeps his promise, it's not a question of if, if it's a question of how. So the spies set out on this 40 day journey into the promised land to spy it out. And then in Numbers 13, verse 23, it says, they go in, it says, when they came to the Eshko Valley, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, which was carried on a pole by two men. They also took some pomegranates and figs. That place was called Eshko Valley because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut there. So good news, right? The first thing the spies find are the grapes, the fruit that Moses told them to get. 
In other words, it's exactly the way that God said it would be. This land is exactly the way that God said it would be. It's fruitful. It's bountiful. There's grapes. And by the way, these aren't like the little white grapes you get off the pro- out of the produce section. Like these are not being weighed by the pound, okay? I mean, these, are, th- these grapes are so big that, that, that they're, being, they're being, it says that, that they, they, uh, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, which was carried on a pole by two men. And these aren't little tiny men. These are farmer strong men. And they've got this pole across their back, and the grapes are so honking huge that it takes two people to carry them. They found the fruit they were looking for. And I don't think it's any coincidence that God allows them to find the fruit first. I think God is trying to put some hope in their path because he knows that they're about to see the giants. But he's a He's trying to remind them of the hope of his promise. And that's what happens. Thank you. That's what happens. That's what happens when we begin to face an overwhelming situation. Is God will let us walk through that situation. But he will instill little drops of hope as you walk, if you can notice them. He'll let you walk through it because we are in a battle. We are in a fight, and he knows the only way for you to rely on him is for you to fight it out. But he will give you hope. Just like a rat needs hope, you need hope. So they find the grapes. They finish out the spying mission, and then they come back. Verse 26 says, Then the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire light Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran Kadesh. They brought back a report for them, and the whole community... And they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. And here's some of its fruit. However, 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 the people living in the land are strong and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. In other words, Moses even though it was like you said it would be, even though it was like we thought it was, it's too much. We can't do it. Even though God made us this promise a long time ago, even though we are, we are, we are God's people, even though we have seen God perform 10 plagues just to get us out of Egypt and he performed a miracle there and even convinced the most powerful man, Pharaoh, the most hated man, the most, one of the most evil rulers to ever live, convinced him to let us go from slavery. Even though you've done all of these things, it's just too much. Where are you wondering or asking God, is this too much? You've got something. Maybe it's just, maybe, it's, maybe this is just too much stress. Maybe this is just too much on my marriage. Maybe it's just too much in my finances. E- even though, God, e- even though you've done some really cool things, even though you've taken, up, uh, you've taken care of me up to this point, I've never starved a day in my life. Even though you, I starved for a day, but you still provided the next day. Even though, God, you've done some great things. Even though I know you love me, God, it's just too much. Where are you thinking, you know what, it's, it's just too much. Is it in your health? 
is it in a family member's health? And so now you're about to collapse under the weight of it's just too much. The spies say, the land there is, is, is beautiful. It's fruitful. However, 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 will destroy your hope. However means exactly what you think it does in the Bible. It means despite all of that. Despite all of what we just said is what the spies are saying. Despite all of that, we can't do it. However, however, you keep hope, and the only way to hold on to hope when things get tough is you hold on to hope by overcoming the howevers. We have these however thoughts too, right? And what I've noticed is that oftentimes it is in the same situation the spies find themselves in. When I begin to see the lies or hear the lies that are playing in my head, when I begin to say however, when I begin to think that God's, God, what God says isn't true for me, or when I begin to think I'm too far gone for the grace of God, when the lies get into my head is usually when I'm on the edge of a breakthrough and I'm on the edge of finally busting through. That's when the lies come the most. Am I right? And so I can see the fruit. Like, it's blurry. It's blurry, but I can see the end. And then all of a sudden, ah, however, still got a long way to go. I feel like I'm getting somewhere. God, I can finally feel your presence again, or I'm going to accept Jesus this Sunday. It's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, however, it's those lies, those thoughts that begin to creep into our mind, and that's the way they do it, right? They creep. It's, it's not all of a sudden. It's somebody says something to you. You think about it later. It was a passing thought at the time, but you think about it later, and all of a sudden it's gotten a grip in your mind, and now you're getting bitter at them, and you're starting to doubt yourself. Or maybe it's something that somebody told you when you were little, and they didn't really even think anything of it, but it seems like other people over the course of your life has, have reinforced it. And so now you've played these however thoughts, these lies through your head so much that they have a grip on you. And it doesn't come all at once, but it, it creeps into you. And listen, your life and our faith usually run on the track that our minds allow it to. And there's nothing that Satan would want more for you. We have a real enemy. And if you're a believer in Jesus, there's nothing that he would want more for you than for you not to experience God's best for your life. How is he going to do that? By giving you the howevers. God, I know you're good. God, I've seen you do some good stuff. God, you were there for them. God, you got me through that. God, you paid that bill. God, you did that. However, don't think you'll do it this time. God, you've put some good people around me. God, you've always been faithful to me. God, it wasn't always what I wanted, but you always gave me what I needed. However, it's too big this time. God, I know you made some promises. God, it, 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 my, my life has turned out pretty good. God, I have come through some stuff. However, I, I'm not going to be able to do it this time. What does your however look like? For some of us, it is our mind literally thinks however. And that's how you know that you're about to go down this, this, this track of, of believing the lie. Literally, you think, I'm no good. I know God creates things that are good. However, he didn't mean it for me. Or, you know, God, 
I've, I, I've heard some people getting, getting that. I've, 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 heard, I've heard God doing that for some people. However, he would never do that for me. For some of you, it's a but. You got a big but. And, and you think, you think, I know God can, but he won't do it for me. Or you think, I know, I know I'm not supposed to think that, but it's true. I'm just, I'm just ugly. For some of you, it's just negativity. When the however thoughts and the hope begins to wane, your mind creeps towards negativity. And because you begin to think negative about everything, you begin to speak negative about everything, which just reinforces what you've been saying. So now you're, you're thinking it and you're speaking it over your life and you're saying it out of your mouth. How, what, what does that look like for you? Paul, in the New Testament, would talk about this battle in our minds. And he says in First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 10, 5, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So here's how these however moments often work in our lives. We'll have a problem. We'll have a thought. We'll have some giants in the land, whatever that looks like for you. We'll have some, some mountains. We'll have some hard seasons. Something seems big. Something seems out of control. And then we have a doubt. We start to wonder, is God really who he says he is? Am I really who I thought I was? And then we begin to lose perspective. We forget the truth. We forget the truth about ourselves. We forget the truth about the world. We forget the truth about God. And then we begin to lose hope. We give up. We say, however, to God. Because we've allowed this mindset to play out in our lives and we've never, we've never learned to combat it. And if you replay however, and you replay the lies long enough, you will return to that thing. You will become that person. You will back away from God. You will go back to the addiction. You will go back to the sin. You, you will go back to depression if you allow the lies to continue to take root. So I want to give you three steps, three steps to fight this battle of however in your mind. Paul says to take every thought captive. How do we do that? Number one is recognize. Recognize. The key is to recognize the however thought before it takes hold. For some of you, like I said, it's however. For some of you, it's but. For some of you, it's just, it's just being, it's being negative. But there has to be a warning light in your head that goes off when you go down this track of however, of, of, of but, of I can't, of God can't, of I'm just a, I'm nothing, this isn't, all of those things, there has to be a trigger. There has to be a trigger that says, nope, that's not right. You have to recognize it. What does it, what does it sound like to you? And here's why that's important. Because sometimes the lies become comfortable excuses, don't they? I mean, can, can you imagine if you're these 10 spies that make the bad report? I mean, I mean, literally, they can just, I mean, they can just sit down, right? I mean, they can just sit down because hey, we can't do it. I'm done. I'm done. They're too big. Benito, we just hang out here. We'll eat some manna. I mean, we'll, we probably, God would eventually invented Cheez-Its. We can, 
That's the holy cracker. It's God's top shelf cracker. But I mean, think about it, because it's, it's comfortable, isn't it? It's comfortable when you lie to yourself, isn't it? It's comfortable just being a blank. And you can begin to wallow in that, can't you? You can begin to wallow because now all of a sudden you have an excuse to be lazy. So we have to recognize it. And then you have to reject it. You can't wallow in it. You can't wallow in it. There has to be something that makes you say, nope, that's a lie. And and don't replay it in your mind because the more it replays in your mind, the more believable it's going to be. The more it's going to come out of your mouth. You've got to recognize it and then you've got to reject it. You've got to refuse to dwell on it. And then you've got to replace it. Because if I have this however, this lie that keeps popping into my mind and I've accepted that's not truth, that's not good. And I've rejected it, then I need to replace it with some truth, with some good stuff. I've got to cover it back up. I've got to put something, something, something good. You've got to tell yourself the truth. And, and here's the best place to find this truth is in the Bible. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, I don't really know anything about the Bible. I'm going to give you some tools at the end of this to listen. But what I would encourage you is if you don't know much about the Bible or Maybe you do know a lot about the Bible, but you're going to be the type A person that stresses over finding this specific truth that combats your however or your lie. So maybe your lie is, maybe the thing that you keep telling yourself is, I'm just not smart enough. You're going to look through here and you're going to Google until your fingers bleed trying to find a truth in the Bible that literally says you are smart enough. Don't, you don't have to look for the perfect thing because everything in here is true. And the key isn't, isn't to, be, to be perfect in covering up the lie and replacing it with the exact same thing. The key is to get truth inside of you because once truth gets inside of you, then it will replace whatever lies are in there. Does that make sense? So you've got to find the truth. Don't let this be another lie. I can't even find the right scripture. So just find, find a verse. You've got to recognize, reject, and replace. So for the spies, it could have looked like this. Moses, the land is good. However, there's giants there. Oh, oh, that's my trigger. It's not true. No. God's already promised it to us, and God's a promise keeper. God's a promise keeper. For you, it may, look, it may look differently. Let's say you struggle with a certain sin. There's something that you just can't seem to shake. And so when the temptation comes, you have this thought in your head, one time won't hurt. I've been doing great. I know I shouldn't do this, but it's one time. There has to be something in your mind that says, nope, that's my trigger. No, I reject that. I am, God's ways for me are the best. Or maybe you struggle with, self-image. And you think, I know I, 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 know I have some friends, but I'm just ugly. I, what they say about me is, right, why, why, why would anybody else want to be my friend? The, the friends I have are, are the only ones I'll ever, I'll ever get. There has to be something that says, nope, that's not true. I am wonderfully made by an almighty creator, God. Or maybe you worry about everything. Do y'all worry? Some of y'all are worried about raising your hand right now. Like, oh, I'm a little worried what people are going to think. But maybe, maybe, you worry about, maybe you worry about everything. And so every, 
every time that enters into your mind, you go down this track of doomsday. There's got to be something that you recognize, okay, I'm about to go into worry land. That's, that's, that's not true. I cast all of my worries on God because he cares for me and he's got it. Do you see what I'm saying? You've got to, you've got to recognize, reject, and replace. The key is to recognize the however in seed form before it becomes a crop. But the spies don't do any of this. Instead, they continue to spew out to Moses how they can't go into this land. Now picture this, okay? Let's say Moses is faced in this direction. Remember the men carrying the grapes with, on the pole? They're the backdrop for this conversation. And so these spies are telling Moses, Moses, we can't do this. Meanwhile, God's reminder of the promise that he can is right behind them. Where do you look when things feel hopeless? Do you look at the fruit or do you follow fear? Because God will give you the fruit along the way, as small as it may be. As much as you'll have to concentrate to recognize that he will give you the fruit so that you can hold on to hope. The question is, what will you look at? And the way that you look at the fruit is you battle the however thoughts. Fear is always there in the midst of the fruit. So what fruit are you missing right now? Where's, where has God been good to you? Even if you don't know God, even if you don't believe in God, what are some, just what are some good things that you've been overlooking for your entire life or lately? What good things is God putting in your life just to remind you of, I'm still there. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's just a little, little prompt to the heart. Maybe it's a relationship you have with somebody that you love. Maybe it's people, some people that have taken care of you. What, where is, where's the fruit? Because you have to battle the however to see the fruit, and then you have to focus on the fruit. So to speed this along, there's 10 spies. They're negative Nelsons. And then Caleb finally chimes in in verse 30. It says, Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, Let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. I think Caleb was the first cheerleader. <laughs> Caleb's like, have y'all been paying attention? Do y'all see the fruit back there? Have y'all been paying attention? Caleb and his dude Joshua are the only two out of the 12 that are going to speak up with any kind of faith. Here's my question. When things get hopeless, for a lot of you in this room, you have had enough faith to believe that God could birth a baby from a virgin, have that baby live a perfect life, die on a cross at the hands of men, and raise from the dead. You've had enough faith to make that leap, but you can't have enough faith to be sure that he pays your bill. You've trusted him with eternity. 
But you can't maintain hope even when things get a little tough. You want to discount it. You want to quit coming to church. You want to quit raising your hands in worship. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't even want to listen to a Christian song on the radio. You don't even want to hear Carrie Underwood because she reminds you of a Christian song on the radio. And you're about to throw everything away because you're losing hope. You've forgotten the battle of however, but you've been willing to trust God with your eternity. Caleb is speaking from that place. He's like, dudes, do y'all remember the 10 plagues? Do y'all remember what God's done? Do y'all remember the entire past of, the Is- of Israel as a whole? Do y'all remember any of that? And Caleb says, yo, shut up. God can do this. I think the difference for Caleb is he battled the however. Some of you, what you need to hear this morning is that there is hope. There is hope. There is more. God is there. God does care. God will get you through this. God is here. He is stronger. Battle the however and hold on to the fruit. Hold on to hope. Because if you're not careful, what will happen is you'll get a little hope and it'll fade. And this what, that's what's about to happen to these Israelites because as soon as Caleb gets a chance to, sound, to say two positive words, negativity shows back up. And isn't that the way it works? Verse 31 says, but the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't. Man, I wish I could talk about we can't. We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. What voices do you listen to? Because in this season of waning hope and trying to hold on to hope and battling the howevers, the people that you're going to have to give the weight to when it comes to what they say are going to have to be people that speak good stuff. Now, I'm not saying you reject everybody else. As a believer, you better not because God has called you to reach those people. You better love those people. But there's a difference between loving and giving weight to. We love all, but we don't have to listen to all. And they will zap you of your hope if you listen to those negative voices. Don't call her again. You know how she's going to be. Don't date him again. You know what he's going to want. Don't Google that again. You know what's going to pop up. You've got to surround yourself, and you've got to think, and you've got to listen to the right voices. Verse 32 says, And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, uh, come from the, from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And I want to talk about that too, but I want. And we looked the same to them. So they end up listening to this majority. They don't battle the however. They end up wondering just a little ways away from their promised land for 40 years because they let go of the hope because they gave in to however. Joshua, Caleb, and an entire generation will be the only ones to actually see this promised land. Hold on to hope like a rat swimming in a pool. There's hope, however. I know it's bad, but there's hope, however. I know the lies are growing, 
But there's hope, however. I know you want to, I know you want to wallow and give up, and it feels okay there to keep letting yourself believe the lie, but there's hope. However, I know the bills are piling up and it's not a matter of when are we going to pay these. It's let's just pick one because there's too many. I know the bills are piling up, but there's hope. However, there's hope in the midst of it. Don't give up hope. Battle the however. There's hope. There's hope. The giants are there, but look in the background, find the fruit. There's hope. But you've got to be willing to fight for it. You've got to recognize, you've got to reject, and you've got to replace. So let me give you a verse, and we're going to pass out some car coasters today on the way out that go in your car cup holder that have a reminder of this verse. But I want to read you a verse that I think, I told you earlier not to worry about finding the perfect verse. I think this verse, if you can commit it to memory, if you can put it as your phone wallpaper, if you put it as a coaster in your cup, cup holder, your car cup holder, whatever it is, I think this can replace a lot of the howevers that we've been holding on to. This is what Isaiah 41.10 says. It says, don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. I'll keep a firm grip on you. When worry comes, when you're worried again about those kids, or when you're worried again about whatever it might be, you have to say, nope, I'm not going to worry. Why? Because I shouldn't panic. God is with me. There's no need for me to fear because he is my God. He will give me my strength. He will help me. He will hold me steady and keep a firm grip on me. I'm about to crumble under the stress of work, under the stress of my family, under the stress of caring for an aging parent. No, I'm not, going, I'm not going to crumble because I'm going to replace it with don't panic. God is with me. There's no need for me to fear for he is my God. He will give me strength. He will help me. He will hold me steady. He will keep a firm grip on me. Do you see how that works? Hold on to hope. There's hope. However, don't lose the battle here on the front lines. Hold on to hope. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There's people in the room this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. And you find your hope waning and you're grasping for straws trying to find any hope. For a long time, you've been trying to find it on your own. You've been trying to be good enough. You've been trying to do enough. But God has your promised land, but the only way to get there is through Jesus. To do that, you can say this prayer in your heart. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a confession. That's what the Bible says we do to accept Christ. Just say, Jesus, I give up. I can't do it by myself. I know I'm sinful. I know I've missed the mark. I know I've messed up. I know I'm not as good as I need to be. I don't know what else to do, so I surrender. I give up. I believe you died. I believe you rose. I don't know how, but somehow I just believe it. So I give my life over to you. I will always follow you. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, I'm going to try to figure it out. God, thank you so much for, for hope. 
Lord, hope in the midst of fear, hope in the midst of all the howevers that pop through our minds. Jesus, thank you for your unending love. Holy Spirit, thank you for how you speak to our hearts, the things that we need. Thank you for how you comfort us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind us over and over again of your truth. God, give us the strength to recognize the lies and to bathe in your truth. God, thank you so much for the honor and the privilege of teaching your word to an amazing group of people. God, help for us to help for us to get this by your power. God, help for us to start winning some of these battles. Thank you that there's hope, however. In Jesus' name, amen.